That was quicker than I thought. Everybody ready? Everybody buckled up? All right. Well, hey, do me a big favor. I always love to welcome our first-time guests today. Come on, let's celebrate them. I want to welcome you. Really an honor if you're here for the first time. Uh, listen, I hope I don't, I'm not about to ruin your experience with this message, but I make no guarantees, okay? I do just want to say it's really good to have you. We consider it an honor um, if you are visiting with us, whether you were invited, whether you found us online, we're just grateful that you're here. Uh, my name's Paul. Why don't you tell me your name? Three, two, one. Appreciate it. And um, off to a good start. And today I'm beginning, what we usually do is preach within the, uh, the structure, so to speak. We like to be spirit-led no matter what. However, we like to pre-plan with some series, what we call series, which cover a theme. And listen, I know Southern Indiana so well, and I know American culture, we love to talk about emotions. Raise your hand if you're in agreement, amen. That's, that's what I thought, I, I saw... Three ladies' hands go up. Amen. That, that's, <laughs> I'm in the right place. All, three is all I need, man. Just, just two or more gathered. We're in. All right. I am excited to begin um, this series, Mixed Emotions, but I've got a classic, a short, short, short classic joke. Feel free, if it is your first time, to laugh, that fake laugh. All right. Here's the deal. Four people on a crashing plane. The Pope a rabbi, the world's smartest man, and of course, a Boy Scout. There were only three parachutes, and that's the problem. The Pope says, listen, I am the most important religious figure in the world. So he takes a parachute and jumps out. Fair play. The world's smartest man says his knowledge will help the world. So he puts one on and jumps out of the plane. The rabbi looks at the Boy Scout and says, how will we decide? The Boy Scout says, don't worry. The world's smartest man just jumped, jumped out of the plane with my backpack. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Today's message, one could be tempted for it to be too simple. But yet, for me, it's the starting place of this series. In fact, the title of today's message is Starts in the Heart. Four words. Starts in the Heart. Many of the situations of our lives, despite popular opinion, are not exterior. They're interior. In fact, beginning... Predominantly in Genesis 3, all the way through the book of Revelation, you will see that it's not people's intelligence that is getting them in trouble. Or should I say, the lack of their intelligence that's getting them in trouble. More times than not, it's their emotional intelligence that many times gets them in trouble. And here's the thing, if I've already registered with you, the good news is, we're all in this together. All of us have the capacity to let our emotions get the best of us. All of us have the capacity to react in ways that 
let's be honest, wreak havoc on our witness. I have endured at times a strong and loud argument, only for five seconds later to hear, let's pray together, and been numb and in disarray, like, I can't connect the dots. But we live in a world that is highly, highly charged, highly reactive, many times thinking that my first thought is the best thought, therefore I'm right and I'm going to run with it. And what we oftentimes experience along the journey of life is not only broken relationships, but sometimes a broken faith because we've not learned in some ways some of the scriptures and we've not, I should say, myself included, not prioritized the heart above all else, as Proverbs 4, 23 says. Now, something interesting is happening in the Gospels in Matthew 15. It's a cycle. It happens in all the Gospels that the Pharisees and the leaders, they were many times well-intentioned. They sometimes get a very bad rap, but they're well-intentioned in many ways. And Jesus even knew this. He, I believe he loved the Pharisees. I believe he loved every person he encountered. But he was stuck with some of the systems, certainly religious systems they were creating. And in one argument, this is going to sound like my childhood, but in one argument, the Pharisees are disciplining or correcting the disciples. Here it is, get ready, for not washing their hands before dinner. Come on, you ever made that mistake? Still make that mistake? All right. But in the religious structure of the day, it was more than just a no-no. There was significant religious tradition implications in that. Ceremonial laws for purification. And I don't want to tear those systems down. They serve good intention. They serve good purpose. But the Pharisees, if you will, were missing the tree for the forest. I mean, they were focusing on a minor moot point, whereas there was way more weight and gravity. In fact, in Matthew 15, the beginning of the argument, Jesus even says, listen, you're all caught up in what's on the exterior. Here's the deal. The interior is what's most important. He would even go on, not in this particular passage, but he would go on and to, to, to just kind of title the Pharisees, hey, here's what you're doing. The blind leading the blind. You're not bringing a truth that sets people free. And so they're having an argument, and Jesus goes a little farther. And that's where I want us to pick up. It's verse 17 of Matthew chapter 20. Jesus has shared a parable. And then Peter kindly says, explain the parable to us. And then Jesus kindly, you can imagine, says, are you still so dull? And then he goes into this. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Jesus teaching a little science, somebody. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. They come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, 
sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. The trap for many of us is we can see the power of this passage. And we can see the power of this passage for everybody out there. But what I want to invite you to do through this series is here's the deal. Don't be elbowing those next to you. Don't be, you know, rubbing the back of your teenage son or daughter saying, lean in, listen to this, you know. (laughs) Don't leave here and when the message is online, text your spouse saying, ooh, Sunday was so good. You need to let this in your system. You can, you can, but just prepare them. The temptation is to see how everybody else is missing the mark. It is far easier for me to look at the planks, or let me say this, the specks hanging out in your eyes, than to deal with the plank in my own eye. And I mean that legitimately. It can be easy in a series like this or in a message like this to unknowingly begin to think about everybody else who this message applies to and not hold the mirror to your heart. So I'm going to go gentle. I'll try to go gentle. But here's my hope is that you can use it as a mirror for your heart. That the Lord can mature every one of us, myself included, to be people who not only know about the fruit of the Spirit, but be people who respond with the fruit of the Spirit. It'll have uh, the implication, I believe, it'll have the gravity to change our families, to change our friendships, to change our workplace. And so I want to spend a few moments on this theme, starts in the heart. Verse 20, Jesus would say these after the list of characteristics. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Jesus, throughout his ministry, throughout his teaching, focused on the heart. Oftentimes, the Pharisees were known for focusing on behavior modification. Or as Dallas Willard wrote a wonderful chapter in The Divine Conspiracy, the gospel of sin management. Jesus didn't focus on that. He focuses on the heart. He focuses on perpetually revealing the kingdom of God, how loved we are by our heavenly father, how forgiven we are by our heavenly father, how deep and wide and high and strong is this generous grace of God. And Jesus knew that at the root system of our lives is a temptation to wear masks, a temptation to quote unquote, look good. For others. And Jesus knew that there are seasons of life, I'm quite sure Jesus would agree, there are seasons of life that serves you well. And you can get by some very tricky situations in the workplace and family and friendships, but if you're not careful, you can begin to take on an identity that isn't yours to begin with. You begin to hide the areas of your heart. But our heart, dang it, it has a way of leaking eventually. We've got to pay attention. We've got to pay attention to what's going on on the inside. The Pharisees were consumed with what is on the outside and on the exterior. 
Jesus was consumed with what is taking place on the inside of our lives. I know this territory well. I would spend seasons of my life. Kelly's not here to attest today. She's catching her breath, but you can ask her. She would say, yep. I spent some of my days blaming everybody else for my situations. And then I don't know about you, but sometimes your situations come with a face on it. It turns from situations to people. In fact, most of my 20s was spent blaming somebody else for what was going on with me. And I was in ministry, y'all. In my mind, I'm looking back and I'm thinking I should have known better. But I would let the facial expressions of others get in my system. I would let words of others get in my system. I would let the actions and circumstances I was facing get in my system to such an extent that I became a victim to everything on the outside. All the while, God's asking me to navigate what's going on on the inside. Graham Cook, a prophetic witness, carries the mantle of the spiritual gift of, of prophecy for sure. But he makes this phrase, and, and, and it's, it's too painful. That's why I'm quoting him, to just say it on my own. You can blame Graham Cook. He says, stress is an inside job. I mean, how annoying is that? <laughs> stress is an inside job. When our emotions get so mixed so entangled that we can't differentiate between what's real and what's false, we start responding in ways that aren't holy, Christ-like, or showing the witness to be the light of the world. And so we have to navigate, we have to think about, we have to contemplate from time to time this area of the heart. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking even in my, my own life, I wrote down a quick key thought and I legitimately mean these first three words. It's their fault. You ever said that before? You ever been, you know, just kindly sharing some of your story with others and saying, it's their fault? You're right. You're right. More often than not, hear me, you're right. But it's your responsibility to navigate your heart. It's their fault. But it's not their responsibility to navigate your heart. That's on you. I know, how fun is this, everybody? <laughs> it's your, it's not your fault, excuse me. It's their fault. And for some of you, you've got stories, you've got seasons, You've got great pain. You've got receipts. Let's just be candid from therapy sessions. And that's good. That's holy. That's God work in your life. Because some of you have experienced great suffering, great disappointment, and great hardship. And Jesus doesn't come alongside and point the finger at that. No, Jesus comes alongside, puts his arm, and he will sit and weep with you in the pain of that. But the beauty of Jesus is that he begins to transform you. That line upon line, precept upon precept, he will build your house back up. 
And it doesn't diminish what was done, what was said, the difficult seasons, the seemingly wasted pieces of life's journey. No, it doesn't diminish that. But I remember one of the hardest and sweetest moments I had with the Holy Spirit was when he kind of shattered my perspective about 10 years ago, reading a book on parenting somebody talking about putting responsibility in the hands of your children to guard their heart, to work on their emotions. And I, you know how sometimes you read a book and then you're there and the book starts reading you? And I just remember putting the book to the side and I just started weeping because I had realized. I had now, I had it masked well and I had some good behavior modification going on. But I had given other people the reins for things that were my responsibility to navigate. And so the statement is true. It's not a haphazard statement. It's a true statement. It's their fault. Like that's a reality. But what culture and the news certainly isn't telling us is that it's our responsibility to step into wholeness, to step into healing. To step into growing our faith, growing our journey. To here's the deal practicing, practicing our faith. Proverbs 4:23, what does it say? It says, above all else. Think with me for a moment. Who wrote Proverbs? That's not a trick question. Solomon, you're right. Okay. <laughs> Some of you are like, Solomon, you know that. Solomon. By many, one of the wisest men who ever lived. Well, in Proverbs 4.23, I believe we get a foundation, really, for all of the book of Proverbs. And above everything else, what does King Solomon, in his younger wisdom as he's writing Proverbs, what does he say? He says, above all else, what does he say? Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. I think there comes a part or a a growing in life's journey where we recognize with greater clarity the power of that statement. That I don't know about you, but most of the messes in my life, I can trace back to pieces of my heart that were not navigated well. I can go from having a great day, a great season, to that one thought that you refuse to shake And it just gets lodged in your heart. And if you're anything like me, you can repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And you get to dwelling on. And you know this, what you dwell on, you dwell in. The power of the Holy Spirit is he has come to lead us into greater dimensions of the truth of who we are and who we're created to be. And Proverbs says in 4.23, it doesn't say, above all else, address their heart, for out of it determines your life. Proverbs doesn't say, above all else, smack them upside the head, let them know how bad they did you, because it will determine your days. No, 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 no. Above all else, guard your heart. For out of it, for out of it, for everything you flow, 
or everything you do flows from it, this translation, but for out of it flows the very direction of your life, NLT, New Living Translation will put it. And we get challenges, we get these heroes throughout history. Are you familiar with Corey Ten Boo? I mean, what an incredible story and testimony. That's somebody who navigated her heart wisely. We get heroes along the way. Maybe you have family. Maybe you have friends who you have no idea how on earth they have breath in their lungs after what their journey has been. Well, what are they doing? They are a living testimony of navigating their heart well. And it's not a comparison. I'm not like saying you look to your left and your right. No, 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 no. I'm saying we prioritize daily the best we can do with the help of the Holy Spirit. And when we mess up, the best we can do with the help of the Holy Spirit. When we get upset, when we get edgy, when we get angry, the best we can do with the help of the Holy Spirit. We confess, we repent, and we move forward. One of my favorite stories to tell on myself is a season um, when our, our daughters were younger, and so was I. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> My loving wife pointed this out to me. I'd like to say I was more self-aware, but uh, I wasn't. And um, I used to have, still have, my quiet times upstairs in our home for the most part. Um, cup of coffee, scripture, prayer, just time with the Lord. And, um, well, my daughters, with the upcoming time change, they would land up getting up an hour, sometimes two hours earlier. And Kelly uh, lovingly pointed out to me the irony of what was taking place. And I would let my emotions get the best of me. Here I am upstairs wanting quiet, stillness, nothing moving in the house. And I remember it didn't happen all the time, but, but about three or four times. The girls would wake up, they would start fighting, they would turn on the TV. I would hear screams. I would hear one of them, you know, would slap each other and the, the, the yelling and the crying. And, you know, as a, as a pastor, follower of Jesus, I would just <laughs> lightly sit up and, hmm, after exiting the Holy of Holies and stepping out the hallway, just calmly, graciously, you know, the girls would see this halo around my head. Angels, they're just like, is that Moses, Elijah? Is that one of the prophets, Dad? <laughs> nope, just me. <laughs> and that lasted for about 0.0001 second. And then, then what would happen is I would let myself be known. Come on, you ever like to let yourself be known? You know, because they don't know. They need, a, they need to know. And so I would... You know, stress word here or there, and you know, just everything was. <laughs> and the girls are like crouching. Oh my, who is it? That is Lucifer. That is not. That is not Elijah. That is definitely the devil. <laughs> and uh, there's a list of things before the fruit of the spirit, and there were a few of those. You know, you know, uh, uh, my volume would rise. Uh, along with my temper, and I would say, no, I would defend myself. That's not me arguing, you know, and, and the girls now a mile away are like, okay, 
Sure, Dad. They, they were getting my anger, my frustration. And I was letting their behavior run the show for my life. And Kelly lovingly pointed out, Paul, don't you see um, some of the irony of a quiet time with the Lord and then the seventh, you know, level of hell within two minutes? Do you, do you not, do you not see? And I said, I said, of course, lovingly. Thank you, babe, for correcting my ways. Um, you are wiser than I could ever imagine. Well, she is, I will say. And, and maybe I didn't take it the first time, but after a few times, guess what? Come on, some of you men can relate. Some of you ladies can relate. It takes some of us a little longer than others. But I recognize some, some profound reality there. It, it, it seems like a, a, a surface situational experience. But I did have to come before the Lord and recognize he didn't want that behavior in my life. Because that little, so to speak, large in some ways, I don't want to um, downplay my behavior, but that small seed, it was a larger root system at play. It wasn't just that. There were other things on the inside that had been practiced there were some weeds that I never dealt with in my heart. There were some disappointments, discouragement, frustrations, some habits of my heart that had cultivated a garden that really, in some ways, wasn't always pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And I had to repent. I had to confess. You know, I share this every so often, but I'm sorry is some of my favorite words in my home. Because I'm a feeler, so to speak. And you'll know this from some personality things. Your personality, if you're not careful, it no longer explains your behavior. It begins to excuse your behavior. And I'm sorry, that can work maybe in some societies, but that does not work with the Holy Spirit and with the kingdom of God. I don't get to excuse. Well, it's just how I'm wired. I just pictured Jesus drinking his coffee, and I said that, and him laughing, <laughs> laughing, laughing. Because he's like, no, everything starts with the heart. Everything starts with the heart. Everything starts with the heart. Proverbs 4.23, I'll say it again. What does it say? Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And here's, here's the trap. I don't, I, I don't want to say I know this to be true for you because you navigate your heart well. I'm not. I'm just sharing a little bit of my story. But I definitely, I'll say this, and certainly when I was younger in the society I lived, my parents always helped me navigate my heart. But the school system, the athletics I was in, the clubs, the college, the desire and striving that was inside of me, I fell for a trap, and this, this trap is very easy to understand. We put more ahead of the heart. And what do I mean by that? We put more. We put more ahead of the heart. We put what we think life begins with. We put the arenas of life that we think win approval. And we put other areas of life that we think are most important. 
For example, in Matthew 15, the Pharisees led with, hey, how come your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat their food? Like, you have the Messiah, the Son of the living God, having fed almost 20,000 people with two fishes and five loaves. You have miracle upon miracle. And they're like, yeah, but you know what? Some of his followers, they misplaced the soap and the water. And they've been known to eat without washing their hands. So there. And you're like, wait, what? Are you so dull? You know what I mean? Like, you're going to miss the coming of the kingdom of God? And I can somewhat relate. Because if we are not careful, how many of you know the culture and the ways of this world? Man, they put everything. What do we have? PSAT, PACT exams. We emphasize intelligence more than we emphasize emotional intelligence. And if you've not been paying attention to any of the news the last decade or so, most wars in the world aren't started because people lack intelligence. No, some of the finest minds in the world have not cultivated nor navigated their heart correctly. Some of the most successful CEOs are brought down. What brought them down? Well, you know, some, some people came out and said, no, that's blaming. Yeah, they told on the state of their heart. Because they were told, well, if I can just get 80 to 90 hours a week and climb this corporate ladder and have this external success, all good things. We promote a good work ethic. Don't misread that. But not at the sake of losing sight of the heart. And I don't know about you, but I have moments, I have seasons, I have story back there. that I could be tempted to blame everybody else, but I have to, have to take a moment and address the heart. The scriptures command us, they lead us so well. We're going to unpack that more in the coming weeks. But my hope and my prayer, I want to nudge you. I want to get your thoughts going in a direction of, again, the temptation is going to be, Hey, you need to listen to this. Sharing and texting, some key thoughts. No, 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 no. Just for this week. Just for this week, let it permeate your heart. What's the state of your heart? What's the state of your heart? How's your soul been? How's your soul been? How, how are you navigating the day-to-day of life? Are you, are you slowing down? Are you calming down? Are there moments and pockets of reflection where you can just kind of think about what you're thinking about? Praying about what's happening on the inside along with what's happening on the outside? It's tough for me to know which... uh, 
pieces of the gospel Jesus would prioritize among others. But I know that in every instance, he modeled a heart connected with the Father. That Jesus lived a life prioritizing his heart above all else. You remember some of the arguments as Jesus' last days are approaching. Jesus is like, listen guys, I don't know how many times I've got to tell you. We've got to get to Jerusalem. Because here's the deal. I will. I will die. But I will raise again. And Peter's like, forget that. No way. And Jesus navigating the cross. If you've never done that study, look at the last seven sayings of Jesus. And one of the most profound statements of Jesus on the cross is, Father, give them what they deserve. Father, bombs away. Father, let's get these thousands and thousands of angels. Oh, what do we have? Your king, my king, your savior, my savior. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I wonder what walls exist in this room and in the rooms out there. That if we could find ourselves keeping no record of wrongs, we could find ourselves forgiving. I wonder what walls would fall in Jesus' name. God invites us to that. So for some of you, you're registering. Some of you are like, can you, can you make it even more practical? Actually, you're looking around like, no, I don't think anybody's like that, Pastor. We're good. Let me make it one step practical. So these are some questions for your soul. <laughs> Real deep, guys. I, need you, I hope you've studied your Greek. Okay, really good in Hebrew. Here we go. Question to ask oneself. Remember, here's the thing. Do not take a picture of these questions and share on social media. These are for you, not for others. Who did I last yell at and why? Who am I avoiding and why? Who do I hope, this is not fun, I know it, I can hear your groans already. Who do I hope fails and why? <laughs> Some of you don't, don't. I heard you just say, I am never coming back. No, 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 come back, come back. Oh, Here's the thing, I wish I could just point the finger and be like, yo. Isn't that last one just a, just a pain? Who do I hope fails and why? Oh, I'd be lying if I said I've never had that thought. Be lying if I said, man, I've never scrolled down social media and thought to myself, well, serves them right. What is that? I think it's when we lose sight as the beloved of God. I think it's when we lose sight of the Father's house. I think it's when we, we start putting padlocks on the kingdom of God and say, yeah, there's a room back there, but yeah, it's got your name on it. And in your Father's house, you're welcome. But he sent me out here just to forewarn you and to make sure you pass the test, you know, so... God invites us. God invites us. Here's, here's the deal. 
God doesn't invite us to leave this place representatives of Hillside Church. He's not asking you to leave this place representatives of your family name. He's not asking you to leave as representatives of your reputation. He's asking you to, as you leave, leave as daughters and sons of a loving, living God who recognize that the same grace others need is precisely the grace I need. Take it from somebody who is pretty darn good at the blame game, but who I've recognized over the years by God's grace, mind you, by God's grace. The responsibility is on me to cultivate my heart. Here's what's wild. It's, it's not on your pastor. It's not on your small group leader, not on your team leader, not on your church, not on your spouse. It's on you to navigate and cultivate your heart above all else. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for your word in our lives. Lord, we ask that you be the great physician that your word says that you are, that you would heal our hearts in Jesus' name, that you would bring a wholeness to our interior life, God. Father, for some, myself included, Lord, we ask forgiveness. Come on, if that's you, just just in your own way, just say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive me for blaming others for areas I'm responsible. Forgive me, Lord, for not operating in the fruit of the Spirit. Forgive me, Lord, I confess I've missed the mark, but I thank you that there's a smile on your face. I thank you that your arms are wide open, always ready to receive, heal, lead me. I thank you, Father, that there's not a distance between us, But Lord, you've given us this relationship to grow, to practice, to develop into the character of Christ. I thank you, God, that in your economy, there are clean, fresh starts. And for some of us, God, we need to receive that in our lives again. That we're not defined by our sin, we're not defined by our past, but we are a new creation through Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, would you let that get on the inside of our lives. That, Father, we would be an attentive and intentional witness for you in the lives of those around us, God. In Jesus' name. Hey, come on, just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to let you know that you can step into relationship with God right now where you are. If you've kept a distance or kind of kept some space, but you don't quite know what it is, The Lord has been calling you to step in relationship with Him. We call that the activity of the Holy Spirit, that He's drawing you closer to God. And I just want to say you can be saved right now. And I want to lead you in a short prayer that can change your life forever. Say this with me. God, I need you. I need the mercy of the cross. Forgive me for my sins. 
I confess, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of your grace. I give you my past. I trust you with my present. And I give you my future. Lord, I believe that through the power of Jesus, I am saved. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Can we celebrate God one more time? His goodness, who he is. Amen.